Okay. And we are live. All right, everybody. I don't think anybody's in yet, but to whoever watches this on YouTube or watches the VOD on our Twitch channel, welcome. We are Wheel Nuts F1. We are the newest, sexiest, most beautiful, greatest podcast to ever grace the world of Formula One. My name is Jordan. I am a diehard Ferrari fan, and uh, I am very depressed. And this is my G, Chris. Chris, you want to introduce yourself? What's up? I'm Chris. I'm a Mercedes fan, but most importantly, I was a Michael Schumacher fan. Um, yeah, I am also depressed since the last two years, but I had quite a few years of happiness, so who am I to talk? All right. So, dude. yeah, Jordan, let's discuss what we're going to bring them. Yeah, for sure, man. Okay, so we're going to try and keep this podcast style semi-informal, but like still informed, because we don't want to spread some nonsense around the internet. Um, so the, f- the primary news, the primary reason we're even live tonight, but this was a very rushed process. I promise in the future the quality of everything will be a bit better. Um, the reason we rushed this so much was the shock announcement of Lewis Hamilton moving to Ferrari next year. I say announcement. Get bigger news. Exactly, dude. But I mean, I say announcement, right? It is rumors, but it's very credible rumors. The big article that dropped, the most reputable and the, the most respected article so far that I've seen was from motorsport.com, um, announcing that it was pretty much as simple as just getting your, uh, just getting Lewis's signature onto a piece of paper and then the deal is pretty much done. They've drafted a contract, they've drafted terms, Lewis is happy with the terms. It just seems like we're waiting for the signature and the announcement. Um, okay, so that's yeah. the... Yeah. Yeah, what big news? I mean, as I said, can you get any bigger news than a seven-times world champion deciding to change teams? I mean, there's been a lot of talk that he's wanted to drive for Ferrari. We've seen this a lot every time silly season hits. There's, there's discussions. And even at the moment, as you said, it's not confirmed, but I just can't see him confirming... I think it would be a stupid career decision from Hamilton to confirm before testing. I, I completely agree. Um, I think the big thing that w- will delay the confirm. I don't even think we're going to see. Um, I don't even think we're going to see any confirmation before the midway point of the season. I honestly believe that he's going to try and keep this on wraps to kind of bolster the Mercedes team around him. I'm sure he's going to keep it hush hush. I know probably Toto Wolff definitely is aware of what's going on and the threat of the Ferrari move. Um, However, I'm pretty sure for the rest of the team, the guys back at the factory uh, near Silverstone, everybody who's doing all of the work on the car, I'm pretty sure he's going to try and keep this on wraps. But I'm, I'm sure from mid-season onwards, we might actually see an, an official announcement, which for me as a Ferrari fan is unbelievably exciting news. I honestly, we'll get into this a little bit later because we just want to give a br- brief uh, overview of the full podcast as to what it's going to entail and kind of future plans. But... I honestly believe that this is the right move for Hamilton, but we'll get that we'll get further into that in a little bit. Let's see. Um, okay, so again, sorry for the uh, kind of informal look of the podcast. We're getting everything made. We're getting logos. We're getting banners. We're getting all of the fun stuff getting ready. Um, but yeah, as I said, we just wanted to rush this out because this bombshell dropped absolutely out of nowhere. It seems like in the time to ride the wave. Then yeah, the biggest news we've had in exactly. you know, how many years. I mean. Well, I mean, we we almost at the end of every season when Ferrari when Lewis's contract is is starting to fall apart, everybody's like, "Oh, he's going to Ferrari." Okay, he's going to Ferrari. He's going to the Ferrari, but all of it's just complete nonsense spread on the internet. This is the actual. This is the first. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure this is the first time we've actually had credible reports 
from credible yes. journalists that allows us to actually get an insight into the possibility of a movie. And I think with actual seriousness, yeah. So that that's definitely a topic, I mean, as we said, absolutely monumental. I think that's a topic that we can spend plenty of time on. Um, going back onto our plans for this podcast, we have a lot of high hopes. Um, we are going to be dropping weekly, even if there's no race. So even if there's no race, we'll keep you updated on some tech news, some upgrades that are coming with cars, some rumors, which clearly have started early this year. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Yeah, so please stick with us. We're excited for what's to come. As Jordan said, we got a lot more overlays, logos coming in. We just rushed to get this out because we really wanted to ride this wave. I mean, yeah, kind of a day of where were you when Hamilton announced he was moving to Ferrari? Exactly. And I think uh, some of our future plans for the podcast, uh, we want to kind of bring it to you kind of, we're planning on either doing the live stream on Monday, releasing the VOD on our YouTube channel on Tuesdays. Um, just so that we can have the, the Grand Prix fresh in everybody's minds when we do actually discuss it. Um, we want this to be like a place for discussion, so we want to get you guys involved in the chat. Um, yeah, please. Throw your questions in. I've got a live stream of all of the questions running. Uh, I'll run them past Chris if he can't see them. I see we've already got one from the Mars Ferret, a.k.a. Big James O. Um, he says, the big question is where do science go? And I've got some crazy opinions on this, so I'll get into this I'll in a bit. But yeah, so for this today's podcast, we're just going to jump from uh, category to category. We've got a couple of different, um, a couple of different uh, uh, categories that we put together before the show that we want to chat about. And then, obviously, if you guys have anything, um, if you guys have anything you want to add, we can get into it. But I think, dude, without further ado, I think the big first question: Lewis Hamilton, do you think this is a good move? I mean, we've had our fair conversations about what could bring Ferrari back to greatness, and I think if there's any man, it, it would be Hamilton. He's quite opinionated. He's got a lot of his own opinion, especially on strategy, which clearly Ferrari are lacking right now. I mean, there were quite a few races last year that Sainz out, you know, outperformed Leclerc just because he said, no, I'm not doing this strategy. I, this is ridiculous. So I think from that side, they, they've definitely got something going there. But as I mentioned... My biggest concern in these recent years, since 2007, has always been, I think Ferrari's biggest problem is Ferrari. I mean... It is, it's an organization. I don't think Hamilton's going to do well with getting in there, having to be very political, because that's what Ferrari is, and sort of not being able to just take the wheel of the ship and go, guys, this is the direction we need, which is what he's had at Mercedes. Well, I, 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 sort of, I sort of disagree with you there. I think Lewis is one of the more politically savvy drivers we have on the entire grid. Oh, he, I agree there. He managed to bring that entire Enstone-based team, that entire Silverstone-based team around him and formed what it is today. Obviously, you had the foundations laid in kind of starting around 2009, 2010 when you had the Braun GP, when Ross Braun came in and started laying foundations for a really a, a big dynasty of a team. Um, but then you also had phenomenal people working on that team. And I think prior to... Um, Lewis coming into Mercedes, Michael Schumacher's groundwork cannot be overstated. That side of the garage, he prepped it for Lewis. He prepped those engineers for Lewis and how to breed a multiple world champion. And I think Lewis, he could have gotten into that car and gotten absolutely murdered by Nico Rosberg. I mean, Nico was already an established member of the team. team, eh? Exactly, it was. It wasn't even Schumacher's team. Schumacher came in almost, in my opinion, as like a consultant for the project. He came in to fill the seat and to consult on how to build a team. And I feel like Nico kind of 
got shell-shocked with how politically savvy Lewis actually was in that team. He formed everyone around him. He was, he was ab- able to rally the troops onto his corner of the garage and to prevent Nico from mounting a proper title challenge all the way up. I mean, he had title challenges in every year, but the only really good challenge where we saw the peak Nico Rosberg was 2016. And I, I feel like... I think 2014 was also a good one. It went down to the wire. It was a little bit outside. I do agree that 2016 was the best, but 2014 was also down to the last race. It was It was down to the last race, but it was more mathematical chance than anything. That's true. Because if you look I at the 2014 Mercedes, they had really good reliability, so reliability wouldn't have really been a factor and in that engine. race. The engine was ridiculous. When they jumped up from that, from that original turbo hybrid, when the turbo hybrid dropped... Their gap. I remember just watching the bar, uh, the Bahrain 2014 under the lights. They they were fighting non-stop the entire race, and they were still pulling like two seconds a lap on everybody. Easily. So I think um, that's where my concern is with because I love Charles. I absolutely love Charles Leclerc. He is my favorite Ferrari driver we've had in a long time, aside from like maybe Fernando. And for okay, aside from Fernando, because he was my he's the, my favorite that I've actually watched. Um, but I think. What if Lewis comes into Ferrari and pulls the same kind of strings that he did at Mercedes and he moves the momentum from it being Charles's team to his team? I don't think that because I don't, I really don't see Charles as a politically savvy driver. He's a super fast driver, but he's not a politically savvy driver. That's why he didn't overturn the strategies when Ferrari told him to. That's why he wasn't able to negotiate too many like clauses in his initial contract. But I think it's not so much political savviness as it is just mental warfare. Because that is, as you discussed, I do think that is exactly where Hamilton exceeds. I mean, to go in in your first year and tie the world champion who took down Michael Schumacher, you, you've got to have some mental strength that is, you know, com- un- untouchable. And so my, my issue with that is I, I do see your point that he, he has the chance to rally the team around him. but. I just don't see Ferrari going, yeah, well, screw Charles, who's our long-term baby and our long-term investment. Let's go all in behind Lewis for two years. It's not going to be more than two, three, four years. He's not young enough. He doesn't have the age on his side. But he still has the performance. He still has the speed. Most definitely. Most definitely. But I just don't see Ferrari being Ferrari going, fuck it. Let's put all our chips behind Lewis. Which, no, I mean, if you ask me, would be the right move. Yes, yeah. I mean, I definitely agree. I agree. I agree. It wouldn't. It definitely would be the right move because Charles is still quite an inconsistent driver. Which and that's his issue. He can perform like hell on the day, but to get that over a season, and that's why I still have not bought into his hype. Is that's the only thing holding me back? It's just that I can't see him performing over a season for a championship. The and only he's that, unfortunately. The only thing that kind of sways me against that opinion was the end of the season. Because from the point where they dialed the car back in towards his direction, where they added a bit more front end, they dialed out that understeer, which was allowing Carlos to have the, the, the momentum shift onto his side of the garage, when he had that big pace burst from like Monza, Singapore, um, a bunch of the races around that section of the season, they dialed in a lot of understeer into that car. When they redialed the oversteer back into that car while keeping the rear in somewhat stability, Charles arguably was the second best driver in the season for that entire end of end of the season period. He was super consistent. He drove like a demon. He, his wheel-to-wheel racing was unreal, and his his savviness with 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 
when to push, when not to push. Especially if you go back and you look at the Las Vegas Grand Prix. When Perez got That's back him, when, when Perez got past him, he absolutely played that race as well as you could have. However, you cannot... That's my big thing as well. I can't just look at that without the start of the season. Where, obviously, we had that absolute shocker in Australia where Carlos Sainz did what he did and then Charles also just put it into the gravel. And then kind of progressing through the season, it's just small mistakes. It's contacts. It's replacing front wings. It's overcooking your tires too fast. It's pushing too hard on outlaps. And it completely compromises his race. But I think we forget... He still has another three years worth of experience until he even gets to where how many uh, how many races Max has performed in Formula One. So, I do think Charles will hit that ceiling. I do think he will get consistent, but I think that's why Ferrari is bringing in Lewis because, sure, Charles uh, uh, Carlos was a super consistent point scorer, a consistent driver, but he's not a consistent driver on that Lewis Hamilton level, and that's what I, that's what conf- confuses me now and it concerns me now about Charles' side of the garage, is when. Now Ferrari has this idea of Lewis being the super fast, super consistent driver where they can always manage to get a, a, a win challenge, a podium challenge out of it, but they can't get the same out of Charles. Which side of the garage would you lean to? You would start leaning obviously more towards Lewis. So I do think Charles has always been the wonderkind of Ferrari. He's always been the baby, but unless he, he irons out these little kinks in his racing where he has the odd spin, the odd crash, he has the odd error in strategy, I think that that's the only reason that if he irons them out, sure it's going to remain his team. I don't. I just don't see it happening within like a two-year span if Lewis's contract is only for two years. Yeah, I think, yeah, I, I, I do see your point, but I, I, I'm just not believing in Ferrari taking logical steps anymore. I think that's... <laughs> I mean, that's valid as well. I have a track record of years and years of them just fucking it up, just having a shot and, and blowing it completely. So I, I do see your point. From from me, if I was Fred Vissert, there's no doubt in my mind, look, Charles, call it two years of being back in F2, you know, you're going to, or, or back as a rookie. You're going to be the number two, you're going to shut up, you're going to listen, and you're going to learn. But him being their Ferrari Academy driver, all of that, they... And, and knowing Fred Visso is going to say there's no number one. I, I, I'm concerned. There has to be in a team like that. I'm there has s- to be. I'm so concerned about explosions. that. I mean, and I also see uh, Charles Leclerc pulling a similar George Russell move where he sits For there sure. and he's trying to sort of fight him and saying, you know, I can beat him. I'm the best. Look, look. And it just ends up into more mistakes. So that team chemistry concerns me a lot, like a lot. Well, yeah, I suppose, I mean, we'll never really know until we see them get on track, which is the nice thing. Yeah. Um, and, I mean, we'll never even know. Maybe this, maybe Mercedes releases an absolute killer car this year and Lewis completely nullifies his contract. Not killer talks, but not, not killer car vibes, but... At least a Grand Prix win. Oh, exactly. And, and, and that's why I say I just don't think it's smart of Lewis to make this confirmation before the season because... For sure. They... They've gotten their big dog back in, um, completely. James Allison, they got him back in. The man famous for probably the fastest F1 car ever built. Not the most dominant, but the fastest, being the W20 back in 20, yeah, 2020, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Um, and it's they, they're not carrying any links from this car. They've completely gone left 
if there's anyone who could fix it and, and rival James Newey, uh, Adrian Newey, it would be James Allison to me. And I mean, so he's I done it in the past as well. That's a very big thing, exactly. And that's without an engine dominance. So I think that to me will be quite interesting to watch. But yeah, let's let's go on to James's question. Where does science go? That is actually a fantastic question. So the follow-up to to where where does this place us? What what shake arounds are we going to see on the grid? I have four possibilities for science. Or I have four. Let, let me speak from the, the 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 Mercedes perspective. The first possibility: Frederick Vesti gets into the car. Frederick Vesti was the third fastest driver at the postseason Bahrain test. Th- sorry, at the postseason Yasmarin test. He outperformed Perez in a Red Bull in this in that in that season's Red Bull. Outperformed Perez only doing 36 laps in the car. Perez had that whole season, and Frederick Vesti stepped into that car and he absolutely dominated. If you look at Frederick Vesti's F2 campaign, he was unbelievable. As a, like complete shock, everybody thought it would be a Teo Porcher whitewash, but Frederick Vesti said, "Hang on, not today." And it actually went down to the last Grand Prix. And I'm sorry, but there was a slight performance uh, a performance gain in in Teo Porcher's car, and Frederick Vesti just outdrove him but only kind of from mid-season point onwards. And I mean, granted at the end, the best driver in F2 was Jack Doohan because he was just putting on a show towards the end. But Frederick Vesti is a legitimate option. Situation number two. I can see them giving Frederick Vesti another year to try and claim a Formula 2 title before giving him the seat. And what they're going to do is they're going to arrange for a one-year swap deal for Carlos Sainz to come in to... Carlos signs to come into Merck for a single year before Audi comes into into the sport. Vesti to Willy, that, that is that actually is where I was getting to. That's one I was getting to. So Albon to Williams. So number three. So sorry, number two was they give Vesti another year. They do a one-year swap with Science to go into the Mercedes before he leaves to join the Audi project. Obviously, his dad with the with the big Dakar win yeah. recently in the Audi camp. Definitely. It, Audi is a science. It is a Carlos Sainz environment. They've got Carlos Sainz Sr. in the rally dominating. If they get Carlos Sainz Jr. into a Formula 1 car, it's going to be such a coherent bond. I think it's, it, there's nothing really you On can look it, at. I think he'd be a good team leader, which he hasn't done yet. And, and looking at this, what you need from a team leader is, once again, consistency. Which and, shown. and you need saviness. Awesome, you, need, you need race IQ. And that's all what Carlos has shown inside the Ferrari 100%. camp. So I'm quite convinced he's going there. And I hope so for the sport, because otherwise I don't see many other seats for him, to be honest. No, if I'm honest, I don't. Um, but you know what? That actually brings it on perfectly to number three. James, you took the words straight out of my mouth. Vesti to Williams. Albon to Mercedes. You have the super peaky driver in George Russell. Super, super, super stupidly fast on his day. Faster than Hamilton on a couple of weekends. So and Jordan, I mean, quickly explain to us what peaky means so, in terms of a driver. <sighs> I feel like an I feel like a dickhead for calling Russell peaky, but Russell is Russell is almost how the Ferrari car is, right? Russell is the Ferrari car works at some tracks and it's super it's super 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 fast, like fastest in qualifying, one of the fastest in the race can actually challenge. Dialed in, it rides the curbs beautifully, it works on the ride heights. Other circ other circuits, I mean, you might as well hop in a horse because it's the same thing. That's kind of what peak is. If you have these super high ceilings of peak performance, but it's only unlockable in, under certain conditions. I feel like Russell is the, the, the driver version of the Ferrari car. Totally and, agree. 
He is so stupidly quick on his day, but when he's not, he is useless. And but also, I find he just doesn't have the mental strength yet. To, you know, I, I I agree, but I also don't want to write him off after one bad season. Because I mean, if you look no, at no, his, I'm not writing him off, and that's why I say I think it's a progressive thing. It's it's something that comes with age. I mean, Hamilton in his in his time when he was this young at McLaren was crashing into Raikkonen in the pit lane. You know, binning Massa, so blocking Fernando. Don't. There you go. Yeah. Um, I think it's it's something that will come, but th- this year, I, if I'm honest, I think Mercedes are shitting themselves a bit because they're looking at this and going, I don't think Russell is good enough to lead this team yet. I also agree, and I think that's where they're gonna. That's exactly what you said. He's peaky. That's where they're gonna consider Albon, because Albon's never gonna give you a 10 out of 10 performance. Sure, in the Williams, you can you can get a 10 out of 10 performance in out of Albon, but that's because a 10 out of 10 in a Williams is the same as a 7 out of 10 in a Merck. But if you have that 7 out of 10, would you rather take a 7 out of a 10 in every single race? Or would you rather get 10 out of 10 in three races and then like 4 out of 10, 5 out of 10, 2 out of 10 in the rest? Because so now- Albon is just a consistent point scorer. He is a solid driver. He is a completely different driver than what we saw when he was at the Red Bull program. I think the Mercedes environment is more up his alley. He seems like a more logical, a more technical, a more... Yes laid like not laid back in a sense where he's lazy but just somebody who enjoys an environment where everybody's a lot calmer i feel like red bull's one of those environments where it's like yes we need to do this now we need to get it done come let's go big team big here's and that's all because of helmet marco exactly 100 percent. i do agree with you i i just don't think that two things first of all i I disagree with the idea of uh, a 10 out of 10 in williams is 7 out of 10 in mercedes i would argue it's almost the other way around because i feel like you can outperform the car more with a Williams than a Mercedes. But secondly, I I do think Alvin can get those 10 out of 10s. I just don't think we've seen him given the ground. I mean, last year in Canada, he was putting in poles. Now, yes, that was a track that suited um, the, the, the Williams quite nicely with the long straights, but he did enough that he was sitting first in qualifying. Yeah, and, and I mean... To me, that, that was phenomenal. Changing conditions... In a middle field car, yes, you would argue that that's the only time you can see it. But the way he managed the pack on the day shows me that he's got every every tool he needs to lead and manage the lead of a race. Okay, that's, I, that's what I see. I actually forgot about a race. This this is actually a very interesting point. You're starting to change my mind a bit now because I just forgot. I forgot about Zandvoort. Let's talk yes. about Zandvoort. That where on earth is that track suited to the Williams? There's no long straights. That's Maybe the only long straight is coming out of that embankment left-hander where Daniel Ricciardo broke his hand. One. And it's a single thing. Otherwise, it's all of those conditions. It's those mid-speed to low-speed corners that the Williams hates. And what did he do? He qualified fourth. He is really, really good. So I think he's a good option. My only concern is, would you rather put him in the car as sort of a gamble... Or would you rather put somebody in the car who you've had a longer relationship with in, in Toto's perspective as Esteban Ocon? Because he's also a free driver. He was Mercedes reserve driver for a super long time. I don't think he's going to go in the car. But if I'm honest... I don't want that. I, I mean, I would be I would be shitting bricks if I was Mercedes and my option was either no, no, Esteban no, Ocon. No, 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 no. That's... Sergio Perez and him again, round two. Brother, I... I could not fathom that but that is a question i think that they have asked because i think toto toto i feel like he he has an obligation to Ocon because they've always been super close and he since the reserve driver he was always promised a seat in that car but he never got it 
And I feel like either Total Wolf just has to... I mean, he is a cutthroat businessman. Don't get me wrong. You don't get to a billionaire if you're not. But he needs to either make the decision now. Do we just completely cut Ocon loose and give him to the French? Or do we actually try him for maybe a season, put him on a single season contract and see what happens? I don't think they should. I think they should definitely go for Albon over Ocon. But in my honest opinion, they should put Vesti in that car. I think Vesti over Ocon because you want to nurture that driver from young. You want to build the team around him the way you built Mercedes around Lewis. Because he is one of, I promise you, he is going to be a Piastri level talent. He's going to be a Norris level talent, a Leclerc level talent, a Russell level talent. He is going to be, and from what we saw in F2, he is unbelievably consistent, which is exactly what uh, uh, Mercedes wants. That puts him above all those drivers you mentioned. Exactly. That's type of scream consistency to me. But I, I just think if you look at how Mercedes banged it with with Hamilton, they didn't bring him in as a rookie. That's true. That Red is Bull, true. Mercedes, Ferrari are not rookie teams. That's not their job. They <sighs> they put people in cars like Williams, etc. Give a feeder program. I'd much rather take Albon because as far as Mercedes are con- are concerned and their progression of development. They want to be winning titles next year, which is a, a bit, quite a push, or the years after, at least 2026. So, so to get in a rookie, you've got two to four years to build that guy up. For sure. I just don't see it. You bring in Albon, you give him one season, boom. I've got one You're question. Right. I've got a question to raise to you and to the chat. Everybody in the chat, yeah. if you have an opinion about this, please shout. Would you, as if you were in the Ferrari, in the Mercedes camp and you were in charge of all of this, you had the option, uh, Albon to Albon to Mercedes, Vesti to Williams, or would you rather keep Albon in Williams, drop Logan Sargent and put Vesti in, in Sargent's spot, and then take Carlos Sainz for a one-year contract until he goes to Audi? What would you rather do? Again, just looking at it, you, you don't want, as a team like that, you don't want a driver for one year. So, so I, I see the value that he brings, but it's nothing that Lewis didn't already bring and, and pass on to the team. That team worked with Michael Schumacher. They, they know work ethic. They know the, the, the marginal gains, the pushes. Um, so I just don't see the value that bringing in science. I, I don't see the value of bringing in science personally. So you, you, in your opinion, you think Albon would be a better fit than the one-year one science swap deal? And so I'm not going to say it has to be Albon. But for me, it's just, it can't be a one-year deal. It can't be a two-year deal. It needs to be someone you can invest in. So I do think at the moment they're hoping that, yeah, maybe maybe when, when Lewis leaves, you've got Russell sitting there, and now that that pressure is lifted off his shoulders, which is clearly killing him, he starts performing and taking over that leader role. And so maybe Frederick Vesti is a better fit because he's not going to come in and try and set himself up as the alpha immediately. He's going to come in, take a back seat, learn, whereas Albon is going to come in and not necessarily, I mean, he's not really the, the alpha vibe, but the two of them were friends. I can just see Hamilton and <coughs> Rosberg, part two, here we go, Toto Wolf gets more grey hairs than he already had from that disaster, and I think he's still got PTSD from that that he's trying to keep away. For sure. I think, I think that's actually very true. Um, I'm actually, I've been looking now, Mercedes is in a is in a difficult spot. 
They've got Frederick Vesti coming up. They've got Albon as a potential seat. They've got Ocon that they don't really know what they're doing with. They've got Mick Schumacher who's been promised a position in the team. Now, I know you said somebody mentioned Mick Schumacher in the chat. I don't think he's getting back into wait, a Formula wait, 1 wait, car. Wait. Okay, so, so, hang on. Sorry to interrupt. Mercedes AMG Patronus F1 on Twitter has just released a statement saying they and Lewis Hamilton will part ways at the end of 2024. No way, dude! a release option in the contract announced last year. So it is now official. It is, whether he's going to Ferrari or not, we don't know. But it's official, he's leaving. Come on, dude! Come on, dude! Come on! Wow. He's coming to Maranello, dude! He's coming! He's coming to Maranello! I'm telling you, where else is he going to go? He's going to go to Aston? Where else is he going to go, dude? He's going to come to Maranello! just can't believe he called the shot now before he's Dude. got it in the... Now is we... that how the simulator is, JV? Now is we just look like idiots. Now, we've been saying this the whole time. I said halfway through the season, you said pre-season testing. And he dropped it on... Literally before Ferraris even revealed their livery, dude. Like, come on, man. This is wild. This is wild. I, I'm actually left a bit speechless right now because I just... I, I just don't think they were smart. I, as I said, is that really how shit the sim is? The, the car is in the sim. Dude. Wait, James has raised an interesting point. I think realistically, any driver that's in the bottom six teams would jump at the Merck seat more what Merck wants. I do think Merck works better with one more senior driver and one younger one. Totally agree. I think, no, but, okay, sorry. You, you completely threw my brain off track with that announcement. But that's crazy, dude. That's so sick. Um, but now, 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 what does Mercedes do, dude? They've got Frederick Vesti that they want to give a Formula 2 championship to. They have Andrea Kimi Antonelli, who is skipping Formula 3 for the first time since Max Verstappen. Going straight to Formula... No, he's the first, time, first person since Max Verstappen who's skipping a Formula. He's going straight from Formula 4, European Formula 4, to Formula 2. He's going to be in a Formula 2 seat in... I can't, I can't remember whether it's ART or whether it's Prima. But he's, I think it's at Prema. But he's going to be in a Formula 2 seat for this season against Frederick Vesti. Now, what happens if an, uh, uh, Kimi Antonelli comes and he just he is what everyone says he is, where he's the next Ayrton Senna? I mean, obviously, that's like sacrilege to say. But what if it's true? What if he's like the next gift to racing? What if we are in an era where instead of Max Verstappen being the generational talent, he's the standard? And now they've now Mercedes has got another peak driver option coming up out of nowhere now what do you do Mick Schumacher has put in phenomenal work behind the scenes on the simulator as a reserve driver as, an, as a test driver do you reward him with the seat where he's actually experienced within the team instead of bringing in somebody without without the inside experience or do so you dude yeah or do you I was gonna say or do you kind of bank your money on Albon rather use your Kind of what, what, what Red Bull does with the Toro Rosso seats when yeah. you get your, your junior drivers in through the, the the junior ranks at Williams, kind of what like Logan Sargent is going through at the moment. Do you do you kind of replace him out with another junior driver? And then but now if Albon goes to Mercedes, who is going to Williams? Here's an interesting one. What if they put your driver in to replace Albon and they change Logan Sargent with Mick? That would be now you've hectic. got a test. Now you've got a benchmark for Mick. You've that got a would benchmark be for the new rookie, and you've got a space. Bro. That now you you the only issue is I mean it's James Bowles who's quite good friends with Total Wolf and the Mercedes team. Um, 
but I just don't know if he's willing to take the risk on Mick. They're they're on an upward trend. You you don't want to regress because you're going well. We owe him and his family a favor, so let's put him in because they do. But if I'm honest, I don't think Mick was treated right by by the Ferrari program at all, dude. Agreed. They all threw us. him. They threw Mick Schumacher into the hardest driving car that we've seen in the past six years. That car was like the Ferrari in 2014. It was oversteery into corner, it was understeery out of corner, and then it was oversteery again on acceleration. And then you can't you can't blame a poor kid in his rookie season going up against okay, he was up against like somebody who's probably sniffed poppers before half the races, because I mean, you know, it was Mazepin. But you cannot put him against a, a, a superior, like a, 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 an established Formula 1 driver like Kevin Magnussen, granted he had some time out of the sport, but, and then just expect him, and I mean it wasn't a big gap between them, there were a couple of occasions where Mick was closer. It was also the idea of we need you to perform now, and we are going to put the weight of the world on you, and we are going to push you that, look, we need results now, and I think that was also a big aspect, was it wasn't just the shit cart, was the idea of... Yeah, you're Michael's son. Why aren't you beating Kevin? This is pathetic. Exactly, and, and I think... Just saying the, and being like, we need results now. Like The pressure like, of being part of the Ferrari family with the name Schumacher, that had to have gotten to him to some extent. But I think also the only reason he was in that house was because of, of um, Ferrari. So I don't think Gunther really wanted him there, and that's why they said Gunther was so hard on him. Because I, Gunther did not treat him well. I really hope Ferrari stops using Haas as a tester ground. I want them to use... It's a terrible testing ground. Dude, they should have used Alfa Romeo. They allowed Charles Leclerc to go through that Alfa Romeo uh, progress, uh, and he did phenomenally. The car, sure, it wasn't quick, but the Alfa Romeo has always had a decent chassis. It's always been a car where if you if you had a chassis-dominated circuit, it's performed decently. It's not going to be anything crazy. You can get to the grips of a car without fearing whether, you know, one kilometer an hour over what's recommended in the specific car, one kilometer over the limit is going to send you flying into the barriers. I think they I should think have put fast... They should have put... You don't need a... Yeah. You don't need a fast car. You just need a predictable car. Exactly. That's the thing. And that's that's a better learning ground than what, what Schumacher was given. And I mean, you cannot take away from what Mick accomplished. He won Formula 3. He won Formula 2. He went straight into Formula 1, into the hardest car to drive, and he outperformed Mazepin, even though... I mean, Mazepin in Formula 2 was a pretty pretty quick driver, but I don't think he's yeah. in anywhere near Formula 1 caliber. But then you put him up against Kevin Magnussen, and Kevin Magnussen only just barely outperformed him. Okay, I mean, granted it was a decent gap, but Kevin Magnussen had how many years in the sport? He's been in the McLaren, he was in the McLaren in like 2014. From, from then, and then he w- jumped into Haas in 2016 and stayed there up until he got uh, removed for Mazepin and Schumacher. I just think Schumacher might actually, if he gets back into, an, into a Williams, he might perform how an Albon is performing now. Because I think what Schumacher has been given under the Mercedes program is exactly what Albon was given under the Williams program. And where they nurtured him into a, into a completer driver before they gave him back into the seat. And I think... He was nurtured. I think Schumacher into the Williams in place of Logan Sargent would be the smartest thing Williams could do. I really do like Logan Sargent. I think he's such a nice guy, down to earth. I love the what the fuck is a kilometer memes. It's, it's great to see. But I just don't think he's like... he He's not that guy. He's not the guy to be in Formula 1 at the moment. And that's the tough thing when you got 20 seats is that ultimately, yes, you might have people that, you know, perform 
that that need nurturing, and and that's what Mick is. Is Mick always won in his second year in the competition? Exactly. And exactly. so it's tough because you need to navigate the line of okay, well, their floor is here, but their ceiling is here. Exactly. So you you have to find the sweet spot of do we want to invest two years so that we get that ceiling, and is it worth it or what if they don't reach the ceiling? And that's where I agree. Logan has not. I also don't focus on him particularly much, but at no point in any race did I look at him and go, that was a sensational drive. That was insane. That was berserk. But he's, he's had some good performances, but I just don't know if, as you said, if he's that guy. Okay, so here's my, here's my thing. I think if you nurture Mick properly, he can be a very good second driver for a top-tier team. I feel like if you nurture okay. Logan properly, he can be a decent driver for a midfield team. That is the difference in their levels. I don't think either of them will ever be a world champion, but I do think Mick has a much higher ceiling, which is why I still love talking about the guy. I mean, I I watched all of his races throughout F2, and he was ballistic in Formula 2 cars. Granted, his first season, as you said, in every category, his first season was a bit shaky. He was getting to speed with the car, but when he clicked, he clicked like nobody else in that category. That's why, to me, he's a much more technical driver, and that's why I think he could be a champion. Exactly. Because technical drivers... Do, do quite well when they're not competing with a Lewis Hamilton in their team. For and sure. that's where, unfortunately, I do think he won't be an F1, uh, an F1 world champion just because of his high stint. It, it's tainted his career. It's I completely, agree. you know, like, I don't even think Mercedes could justify saying, please open a seat for him at Haas, uh, at Williams. I think that they because could, though. Just, I, I mean, really think that they could. Think about the image almost. It's like, yeah, but he did so bad in, in Williams. If that blow in, in, in Haas, if that blows up, don't get me wrong. My heart is begging for this to happen. Begging. But I just, I, I think that, that those seasons tainted him so badly that it's, it's kind of like old, used, washed up. For sure. You know, we tried it. Yeah. I agree. Which is very unfortunate. I think, but this is, here's, here's the thing. Red Bull did that to Albon's career. And Albon managed to put in the same graph that Mick's doing to renew his name behind the scenes. Obviously, we, we're not getting fed any of the information as to what their team's opinions are of reserve drivers. I know everybody holds uh, uh, Felipe Dragovic to quite a high re- regard, That's who's true. the Aston Martin reserve. But we're not getting fed what anybody thinks about Mick. I feel like Mick is undergoing the same processes behind the scenes at Mercedes that Albon did when Max was winning in 2021 before he got that Williams jump. I feel like Mercedes can use that as a bargaining chip. Obviously, um, obviously Albon had the, 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 his, his, his he, I mean, he had a pretty stinker against Max Verstappen. I mean, if you actually look at the stats, he was closer to Max than Sergio is at the moment, which is very interesting. But, it still tainted his career. He was deemed as not a winning driver. Not a, He was deemed a midfield driver, and that's it. And that's why he was dropped and not picked up. So I feel like if they do the same for, for, for Mick, I think that Mick could make a brilliant replacement for Logan. But... I totally agree, yeah, but... Yeah. The, the big thing with Logan, big, big, big thing with Logan, is the American side of him. The American sponsorships that Logan could bring into Formula 1 if he is That's nurtured true. into a proper driver That's he true. could he could change Williams's entire budget because ever since Doralton Capital take, took over and then obviously they left they, they pulled out of the project I think that they've always been in a shoddy financial position they've had more money than the likes of your horses or your Saubers 
but they've never been able to push that budget cap kind of the way McLaren, uh, Alpine, all of those kind of cars are. And I feel like with American sponsorship, that could be quite big. But then... I'm going to interject you there. I don't think it's necessarily the money that's the issue. It's just that their, their facilities are not up to state. Well, I mean, and that's... So to invest money, the, the issue comes in that currently there, there is no sort of side budget for investing into your team. I mean, that's something James Viles has been going for for ages, was to, to petition for something like that where you've got a system that says, well, you know, financial investments and, and or, or should I say capital investments, you know, facilities, PPE, all of that, those are, are different because sure. that's the biggest issue. I mean, James Viles was very open and public about when he joined Vic Williams that a lot of the equipment there is 10, 10 years plus old. And you but can't do anything with that equipment. That name, dude, James Viles, he makes me so happy, man. He is such Great. a phenomenal... He is, the, he is, if not, if not in the top two, he's definitely in the top three team principals on the grid at this moment in time. I yeah, think... Just from what he's achieved in one season is For crazy. sure. I think what Fred Vasseur is doing now has actually changed my opinion. I always thought Fred Vasseur would be a bit of a flop. But I think the fact that he's had previous relations with Lewis Hamilton when Lewis Hamilton was racing at ART and he was team principal of ART at that time, I think that that's actually one of the deciding factors because he's already got a pre-existing relationship with Lewis. And that's when Lewis had his dominant GP3 campaign. And I think Fred is playing this cards right, saying we will bring you that same success in this category. But I think we've gone on a crazy long tangent about Williams now when Ferrari and Lewis is kind of the shock moment. Let's go back to the announcement that Ferrari, that Mercedes just made. What on earth is Lewis thinking about making that announcement now? Do you think there's something wrong with the car and the sim? Or do you think I that think it's so. do you think it's sheerly, 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 sheerly just wanting to get it out of the way to be able to give himself enough time to uh, make amends with the team that he's been at since 2013? I, I, I mean, you have to say there's something wrong with the car and the sim. Either it's not as competitive as they hoped. I mean, dude, at the end of the day, man, they're two years behind. I don't want to. I don't want to accept that, though, or, dude. Or it is the case that Lewis is just looking and going, "I'm what 37, 38, and I haven't driven for Ferrari." Exactly, and I mean, he's always Could spoken. He's always uh, spoken about his yes. dad. His dad has always had a dream of him driving in the in in the Ferrari cars. He's spoken about it previously in 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 interviews and stuff, and he's I. I honestly believe that this is going to be Lewis's last stint in Formula One. I cannot see I cannot see Lewis accepting a twilight role like what Bottas has taken or what Raikkonen took at at at, uh, at Sauber. Yeah. I don't think he's going to uh, he's not going to accept midfield. He is a competitive guy through and through, and I think the fact that he doesn't have that eighth championship is eating him. It is absolutely eating him because he was robbed blind. And how we lost it. Let's talk about that. Okay, no, let's not talk about that because that will cause drama. Please but, no, please no, please no. But <laughs> from an objective standpoint, from an FIA rulebook standpoint, he was Rob Blind. And I think he wants yes. to prove to himself that he can still pick up that eighth. Because I think he it's says that... Tough. He says that he, he says that numbers aren't the most important thing, but I guarantee you he wants that record. He wants that number eight. Just to say, I did that. I usurped Michael for the most championships. I am the best ever. Because there's always debate about who's the GOAT. 
you know, the amount of races in a season. But to sort of recover how he lost that championship, as you said, in terms of to say, I was robbed, but you know what? I still came back and reclaimed it. That's but, my title. But could he have picked a worse team to do it at? When last... You Ferrari, man. When last have you looked at Ferrari with like five or six races to go and say, yeah, we're going to win the championship? Never. Five or six, never. Five two, or six even, in the beginning, yes. Even, when two, even, in, no. even in 2007, even in 2007 with six races left, I'm like, oh, it's going to be Fernando Lewis. It's going to be Fernando Lewis. It's going to be Fernando Lewis. And then all of a sudden, they start buggering around and Raikkonen clinches it by a point. I still didn't think they would have won. They probably shouldn't have won that season. They wouldn't have won that season if if Lewis didn't have that incident in the gravel trap at the China pit lane. Yep. And I just don't think Ferrari, after Ross Braun, after Michael Schumacher, after everybody left that that big campaign, after the F2004 car was released, Ferrari's never been a championship caliber team. I think under Alonso, Alonso almost dragged them back. And that was some of the most unbelievable racing I've ever seen a Ferrari driver pull off. That's why I still consider yeah, him, I consider him in my top two or top three Ferrari drivers that have ever driven for the team. Ever. 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 Ever, 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 ever. Put Sebastian Vettel, per se, in any of those Ferraris from 2009 to 2012. Do you think he even has a mathematical chance at the end of the season to win the race? No. And I mean, Seb is my favorite driver of all time. Doesn't mean he was that good. Put any other driver, put Lewis in those cars. Maybe there's a chance because he, he, he would have pulled the same thing as Fernando with that super consistent podium finishing run, which allowed him to actually have the mathematical chance and to be in with a real shout at a championship. But those cars on their best day were second best to the Red Bull. They were second best to the McLaren. The if only, second. If second, yes, that's, that's the thing. If second. Fernando Alonso is the car whisperer that man is a he deserves so i mean he's probably the, sure. he's the worst team picker in formula one history by far no, i think he's one of the worst personalities to work with in formula one okay these oh, back in the day i agree uh, back in the day i agree but i don't think so nowadays i agree he's better but i think he then, uh, i think i agree it is a team picker yeah. and it's just impatience it's yeah. just I want to win now and he keeps hunting for the best deal and he just keeps getting screwed. My thing is right. I wish Fernando just dug it. Instead of believing in the McLaren Honda and the McLaren Renault project, I wish he just dug in with Ferrari and stuck around because I promise you, 2017 and 2018, he would have won both of those championships. There would have been no Hockenheim incident. I de- not even a question, dude. Not a question. He was pulling that McLaren Honda and the McLaren Renault when it was maybe the 6th, 7th best car to P5, P6 finishes. There was, that, there was that famous one in 2017 in the Azerbaijan Grand Prix where he completely destroyed his car. He lost like, what, like 7, 8, 9, 10 da- points of downforce, yeah. dragged his car broken back to the pits, pit had changed tires, still drove, driving with a broken floorboard and still finished the Grand Prix in 6th. Like, you cannot understand how... You cannot, sorry, not understand, understate how brilliant that man is at Formula One driver. And I promise you, in 2018, the only reason Ferrari didn't win that championship was the Hockenheim incident. And that would not have happened if Fernando was in that car. It wouldn't have. Just surely would not have. True, but I think him and Hamilton would have crashed so much more 
That's why I think it's so difficult to say he would have won that title. The two of them would have sent each other into more walls than they are, like, yeah. people watching Grand Prix. I think, like, I definitely agree that the, but imagine how crazy the flashpoints would have been in the season. Like, we had the flashpoints at yeah, Azerbaijan where, where Seb kind of pulled one of those off to the side of Lewis and smacked him a bit. And we had the flashpoints, we had some other flashpoints, we had some gnarly comments, some gnarly interviews, but that would have gone crazy. But yeah, that's true. I just do, but uh, sorry, that's besides the point. This isn't supposed to be about Fernando. But again, yes, Fernando, top three drivers that have ever raced for Ferrari, in my opinion. Um, but what were we even saying? So I think now is a good time to go to a question. How do you think this will affect Merck's 2024 season? Terribly. That's a pretty good question. Terribly. Because I, I wonder how the dynamics have changed in there because. From my understanding, they're on a very open dialogue with Mercedes. So whether it's a, a big change, I'm not sure, because I don't believe this came out of nowhere. I think Lewis has been very open for quite a while that he's wanted to drive for Ferrari at some point. It's just a case of choosing his moment, the team choosing theirs. So, yeah, that's, that's my opinion. I, I think they'll still work cracking because I do still think Lewis will give it his all, and I think they know that. I think what James said is actually quite interesting because I, th I think I said that I think that this is going to be his final reign in, 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 in Ferrari. But James says, I think there is a non-zero chance that this is Lewis's last contract slash two years left in the sport. I think he's got more than two years in him. I definitely think he wants to stick around for the 2026 regs to see what's happening. And I think that's where Ferrari's looped him. I promise you Ferrari is cooking up something scary behind the scenes in the engine department. They're going to come out with a 2019 style engine that they might hide a little bit better from being illegal but it is going to be something that is absolutely bonkers that is where my yeah, hope Lewis is. is Lewis is going to be 41 how old is Fernando? Fernando is what? 44? 45? no I swear he's in his 40s 42. he's 42 he's 42 years old and if he was in a car against Max Verstappen this season. That championship would have gone down to the final race. Promise oh, you that. Promise you that. I don't think age plays as big of a factor in this in this specific generation of Formula One cars as we think. Because the safety is unbelievable. The amount of, 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 of assets to a driver's disposable is unbelievable. And I think since it's become so commercialized... All of the drivers are taken such good care of that as they progress in their years, they are actually able to perform just as well. But yeah. yeah um, I do agree. Um, oh, shite. But I just, yeah, as I said, I, I just, it's, it's also to me that Lewis seems to be getting fed up with the FIA and I also can't blame him for that. I mean, so if I'm I honest, he's, he's been fed up with the FIA since as long as I can remember. There's always been something that the FIA has done that's wronged Lewis Hamilton. There's been racist remarks. There's been excusing racism from fans. There's been uh, regulation changes, rule changes that have completely spited the Mercedes project. There have been so many ways that the FIA has tried to screw him. And now I do think under Mohammed bin Salayam, I don't know if he's the right fit, but I definitely think he's. I definitely think he's got a grasp on what he wants to do with with Formula One. I just he don't gives agree. me mixed mostly vibes. I agree. I completely agree. But one of the funniest things I've ever seen was when he was absolutely hammered 
at the year end at the the year end function for 2022 where he was just roasting Christian Horner about Mercedes being robbed by Michael Massey and he was drunk on stage that was too good that was really really funny that was quality I don't know if you've seen the clips dude I've seen some of them not all of them but I've seen some of them dude oh golden 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 golden. him just drunk off his rocker (coughs) being like this is how it is and then eventually having to be ushered off the stage because it's like dude shut up (laughs) (laughs) he was he was slamming margaritas dude I'm telling you I watched a very funny review from this guy. I don't know if you watched any of his thing called Rocket Powered Mohawk. He's a very, very non-PC Formula One. Like he makes YouTube content about it, and he just reviewed the whole, the whole, like uh, year-end celebration from from Formula One. But holy shit, that was Crazy. hilarious, dude. Um, but yeah, sorry, we've gotten again a little bit off track. So we were reviewing what James was saying but I honestly do think Lewis will still have four years left in the sport at least I think he will stick around maybe a year after 2026 20, I think 2027 2027 he, he there's a good chance that he, he calls it at that point because hopefully by then he's going to end the Ferrari drought he's going to bring glory back to Maranello and then he's actually no going to have title to boast than bringing back a title to Ferrari that exactly. is exactly what Michael did he 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 will literally take all of the things people say Michael did the best at and put it on his own sort of CV. Exactly, dude. And I think that's kind of what he's going for. That's what I'm hoping for. I mean, it's been too long. At that point, if he wins it only at the new regs, it's going to be 19 years since Ferrari won a world championship. 19 years, dude. It has already been 70. It's almost been... No, it has been. This is the 70... If Ferrari doesn't win this championship, it's been 17 years since the Ferrari championship. Yep, that's true. That is the um, longest drought in their history. I tell you the one other thing that's holding me is that he's he's got a lot of other stuff going on in his social life that he quite enjoys. That's true. And I'm also interested to see how that works out at Ferrari. For sure. Because Ferrari is not the type of team to let you go do whatever the hell you want. Skydiving after the race? No, 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 no. Um, but on top of that, it's, it's not like he's leaving the sport and he's just going to disappear. Yeah. For sure. So that's why I'm a bit hesitant to say he might go more than two years. Um, I, I do. It's not that I'm saying it's impossible. I do see it. But as I said, it's just he, he's got other stuff to do. He's got other stuff that's interesting to him. He's got other stuff that he wants to attack. So that's the only thing holding me back from jumping in and saying, you're absolutely right. It won't be just two years. Yeah. No, I see, I see what you're saying, but I, I'm, I'm hopeful because I have... I have been so worried about Ferrari, man. Just state of the, just the state of the team. I hate. Okay, this is going to be a this is going to be another tangent, but this really grinds my gears. Why, why, why does anybody from the Ferrari road car division have a say what happens in the Formula One team? Why, why, dude? Why go make your four five eights? Go make your 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 fancy looking nice coupes and your sports cars. Pistas. Leave the Formula One team to Scuderia Ferrari Racing. Leave it to them. Let Frederick Vesti take control of the damn team. He should not. He, uh, Fred people, Vissar, not Vesti. Yo, yo, yo. Fred Vasseur. Freddy Vasseur. If let Freddy, let Freddy Vasseur have complete control. Because it doesn't work if everybody's answering to him and then he's answering to a board of directors. That doesn't work. That's but why that's Toto was. What I said in the beginning yeah. is. It's, it's just Ferrari's. I, I think they need to reevaluate exactly as you said, their, their structural organization in terms of 
how they approach this. How is it that in the World Endurance Championship, they are making 